Good morning, Brookside. Great to see all of you. <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to be a, just a fun morning for us. As Rob said, uh, we're starting a new part of this book of Romans, so really looking forward to, to jumping into this with you. My name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, too, just want to say, if you're, a, if you're a guest here uh, with us this morning, we just want to welcome you. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us here today, and uh, we're really, really glad that you're, you're here. We're going to be uh, today in the 12th chapter uh, in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Rome, and I'm, I'm very excited to share this text with you. I really believe that the words that we're going to read today in chapter 12 um, are really a game changer for us in, in so many different ways. We're going to look this morning at just two verses, two very simple verses, but inside the, in the context of those two verses, there's just an incredible principle, uh, a principle that really has the potential to do two significant things in our lives. It has the potential to lead us into greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. And on the other hand, it also has the potential to lead us into greater impact with our lives. And uh, so you might be here this morning and this might be all new to you. Uh, This is a great morning for you to be here. Or you might be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe God's word this morning will inspire you to greater levels of thirst for him and even deeper levels of of commitment to, to Christ. And so... So would you pray with me as we jump in, and uh, just an important text, an important morning, and would you just kind of prepare your hearts as I do as well, and let's just ask the Lord to speak into us, and uh, let's just say, God, we're before you now, and we're really longing for you to speak to us, so would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that you've um, gotten us through yet another week, and you've provided for us in so many ways. And Lord, right now, we just want to say to you, we lay before you the things of our last week. I think of those um, just knowing different trials even that were experienced in the last week. I think of different joys that were experienced. And um, Lord, we just want to lay it all before you now. And we want to say, Lord, for these next few minutes, Lord, would would you direct us, Lord? We trust you. We love you. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would be um, just speaking into our hearts. We know that it's alive in us, and so we pray, Lord, that it would now speak uh, to us. And so even if that's a first-time prayer for you, would you just say simply to the Lord right now, would you just say, Lord, um, I'm giving you this time, and Lord, I'm asking now, would you speak to me? I give you my week, and Lord, now though, I'm asking you, would you speak to me in these moments? So go ahead and have that kind of a conversation with the Lord now. Father, I thank you that you're real, that you show up. Um, We worship a true and living God, and so this morning we celebrate that, and with confidence now we open your word and we pray you'd speak to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if I were to ask you a question this morning, just one simple question, here it is. Um, What is the number one goal in your life? Think about that for a second. When you think about your life, the entire span of it, what is your number one goal? What would you say, what is the thing that's maybe the undergirding thing that motivates you, the thing that that drives you, what is the force behind it? If at the end of your life this was said about you, and you fill in the blank there, if it was said about you, you would walk away and you would be, I'm proud of the life I lived, if you could kind of stand back from that moment. You would be proud of the things that you accomplished, and you would say to yourself, yeah, that thing, that was my greatest goal, that was my number one goal in life, What, what would that be? 
Knowing many of you personally, I think many of you would, you would say this. You would fill in the blank by saying, my ultimate goal in life, you would say, is to honor and to please God. My ultimate goal in life is to honor and, and please God. You've been captivated by the love of God. It's changed you. you, you you've grasped the God's his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And it's done something inside of you in such a way that it's changed how you think and how you feel. And it's changed your motivation. And so, so your ultimate goal in life is that you, your life would extend worship by the things that you say and do. Your life would honor and, and your life would glorify God. You may be familiar with the parable that Jesus told about three different people. Three different people, and he talked about how they spent their lives. And, and two of those people, Jesus said this at the end of their days, he said this. He said, you, well done. The way that you spent your life, he said, well done. You honored me. You, you pleased me with your life. It was clear your number one goal in life was to please me. You may have a number of aspirations as you think about your own life. You think about the things that you do on a daily basis. But many of you would say all of those aspirations, all of those things, those actions in my life, they're supporting, those things are leading up to this, this ultimate goal that I want to honor and I want to please God. At the end of my days, I want to get those two words, well done, spoken to me. You know, even if you're new to church and and you're wondering if there is a God. First, I applaud you for seeking out truth. It's very wise of you. But most likely, even if you have any level of belief this morning, you would say this. Even if your belief is at, a, at the very initial stages, you would say, if there truly is a God, even you live with this, you live with this sense that if I'm going to stand before God someday, and I'm going to give an account for my life, even you would say in that moment of maybe new faith or wondering and questioning, you'd say, if I'm going to give an account for my life, I surely want to live my life in such a way that it's pleasing to God. In our text for this morning, the Apostle Paul, he gives us two words, two words that have the potential to describe us. And if at the end of your life, at the end of my life, these two words are associated with me and they're associated with you we will stand back and we will say, we lived well. We really did. We lived well. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, offer your life to God in such a way that your life is holy and it's pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. And let's unpack those two words just a little bit. That word holy, first, you might be relieved to know that it doesn't mean that tomorrow morning you wake up and you have your first perfect day, right? Relief, right? It means this, though. It means that to be holy in this particular context, it means that you're set apart. It means that you're different. It means that you're set apart for even a noble purpose. It's not that you're perfect, but it's that you're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. People notice things that are different about you. They say, wow, you, the person loves differently. They think differently about this and that. To be pleasing to God, what, what, what does that mean? It means this. It means very simply, it means the smile of God is on your life. It means that when, when God thinks about you, the, the, he thinks about your motivations, the smile of God, that's what, it, that your actions, what do they do? They bring joy. Some of you have experienced the joy of seeing uh, maybe one of your own kids or, or someone that you've invested in, and you've seen them develop and grow, and, and you've seen them even really maybe even turn out to be a, an honorable person, a person that just honors God with their life, and you know when you think about them it brings a smile to your face, right? It brings a smile to your face. It's, it's pleasing. They, their life, 
It brings you joy. Paul says, live in such a way that you are set apart. Live in such a way that you're holy. Live in such a way that you're pleasing to God, that the smile of God is on you. Live in such a way that you are being transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest, though. Let's, let's cut the bowl here for a second, right? Wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, when I say that, be holy, be pleasing to God. That's a tall order, <laughs> Right? I mean, that's no, that's no small deal. You don't accidentally wake up and, or stumble into living holy and pleasing to God. You don't stumble into living truly honorable, truly pleasing to God. As a matter of fact, even the mention of that kind of a goal, maybe just the remembering of that goal for your life, for some of you, that brings back a significant inner struggle. It brings back a struggle between who you are and who you want to become. It brings back this struggle between the husband or the parent or the student or the employer or the employee that you want to be and the one that you are. It might be frustrating to you. I mean, you might actually live with that goal in your mind and think about it quite often. I want to honor God with my life. I want to get a well done at the end of the day. But inside, you can be frustrated because you look at who you currently are and you look at who you want to become and you see that there's a gap. It's frustrating to you. And so you want to know, how do, I, how do I bridge the gap? And so the question becomes this, how do we become what Paul describes? How do we become holy? How do we become pleasing to God? How does this not become this daunting thing that's out there, but rather, how does it become something that I can walk even out of this room this morning and I can either step into for the first time or I can step into to a, to a greater degree, to a greater measure? The thing that I really love about this text is that not only does it lay out a very clear target to aim for, a life completely worth living, not only does it do that, but in the very same breath as it's talking about that, as it's giving us a very clear mission for our lives, the Apostle Paul in the same breath says, hey, here's how you do it. Let me get very practical with you. I love that about this text. Just speaking personally, there are times in my life when I feel like I'm walking in step with God. There are times in my life when I feel like, okay, wow, that decision, that honored God. The way that I parented my children right there, I was good. I think that went okay. I treated my wife in such a way, oh, I feel good about that. But then let me just be real honest with you, and, and this will be of no shock to any of you. There are other times when I say things or when I do things that are frustrating to me. There are times when I look at my interactions with my family or friends or whoever things that I think about, and I go, wow, that's not honoring to God. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't do that. In my actions, I would say they, they can be frustrating. There are times when I simply blow it. There are times when I say things and I do things I don't want to do. These very few verses tucked away in your Bible for some now 2,000 years are so helpful to us. They give us great insight into, okay, how do I bridge the gap between who I want to become, holy, pleasing, getting a well done, and who I sometimes am. Let's read this passage. Here it is. We'll read it through, and then we'll go back, and we'll unpack it together. So here's the whole thing. Paul writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and he's talking to Christians. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you're on the hook for this. If you're just investigating the faith, this can just be interesting to you just for this morning, okay? He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, here it is, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're going to see that the Apostle Paul, he refers to this growing process in us. He refers from how we get from here to there as this process within us called transformation. That's the word that we're going to see him go back to. We were at our son uh, Aiden's baseball game uh, uh, last weekend, and one of the little uh, brothers of one of the other teammates came up to me, and, and the little kids there, my kids included, they get pretty bored with watching baseball after a while, you know, and so they're digging in the dirt or whatever, and, and so this little boy comes up to me, and he, has an em- he emptied out a Gatorade bottle, and, and he found this tiny little green caterpillar, and uh, he was really proud of it, and he showed it to me, he had it on a stick, and he had created this little habitat for this thing to grow in inside this Gatorade bottle. He was really proud of it, and he said, man, I, you look, what, look what I did, look what I found, he's all excited, and uh, he said, and, and, you know, and one day, he said, this thing's going to grow up, and and we, we talked about it. We said, yeah, it's going to be caterpillar, and it's going to go cocoon, and then, and then it's going to be something beautiful. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change even, even more, right? Know this this morning. Your heavenly Father, when he looks at you, your heavenly Father, when he looks at me, he doesn't just see you for who you currently are, but in Christ, he sees you for who you can become. And you might not feel like holy and pleasing to God are two words that would mark your life, But know this, your heavenly Father in Christ, when he looks at you in Christ, he goes, oh, no, holy and pleasing. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do we go from where we are to the place where we're holy and pleasing to God? Here it is. This is straight from the text. And and this this answer might surprise you because it's not not this. You might be thinking, oh, he's going to say, try harder, muster it up, get stronger. No, it's, it's not that way. It's through this process where God is transforming us, and here it is, by the renewing of our mind, by the transformation of our minds. A statement that I believe captures the essence of this passage and and how we, in fact, achieve that number one goal in our lives is this. How do we get to that place of holy and pleasing to God? Here it is. Write this down. This is the main point. Lock this away. Transformation, transformed living, requires transformed thinking. Transformed living requires transformed thinking. Transformed living, becoming holy and pleasing to God, it requires something to happen inside of our minds, transformed thinking. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this, for as he, here it is, for as he thinks, so he is. That's very strong. What he thinks, so he is. Many of you, you've heard statements like this, the quality of your thoughts determines the quality of your life. And you might have rolled, maybe you're at a conference and a motivational speaker said that to you and you kind of rolled your eyes and you thought, yeah, well, I'll just wake up tomorrow morning, that means, and I just think positive, everything will just go great, right? You kind of rolled your eyes at that. The Bible goes in a, a much stronger direction. It doesn't say just wake up and work harder at it, just think positive thoughts. The Bible actually, it tells us what to think about. The Bible talks a lot about setting our minds on certain things. The Apostle Paul, he wrote in chapter 8, and I would encourage you to go back and reread chapter 8 in light of this morning's message. But he said in chapter 8, he says, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he said that the Spirit of God is alive in you, and our minds are being transformed then by God himself. 
when you became a, a follower of Jesus Christ, this is why for many of you, you began to think differently. When you, thought about, when you think about people now, you think of them in a different light than you used to. It motivates you to do things you never thought that you would do. We hear stories of that all the time. Like, wow, I can't believe I'm jumping into this experience, but, but God's transformed me, and so now I, I, I just think differently. Your motivations change. Paul went on to say this, that the mind controlled or that the mind that submits to the God's leading is a life that leads to, is a mind that leads to life and peace. Now you might wonder this, you might wonder, am I any different from someone who doesn't have faith in Christ? I mean, really, am I, am I any different? Paul made this very clear, that the mind controlled by the Spirit of God is completely different from the mind that is not. The mind controlled by the Spirit of God, it's transformed, and it's being transformed. In the, a letter that Paul wrote just a few years before this one that he wrote to Rome, he wrote a letter to those in the city of Corinth, and, and he said to them, these very strong words, he said, take every thought captive. You know what it means to be taken captive, right? He's saying, hey, take your thoughts and take them captive. Get a, get a hold of them. Don't just let your thoughts kind of go anywhere. Take your thoughts captive. Don't be flippant about what consumes your thoughts. Don't let your mind just go anywhere. To the Colossians, he wrote this. He said, I want you to set your minds on things above. He said, not on earthly things. He said, I want you to fix your mind on things above. And Paul was driving his wisdom straight from Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And then here it is. Yet again, we see this throughout scriptures, the importance of the mind. Jesus said, love me with all of your mind. Love me with all of your thoughts. I heard a pastor put it like this. If you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. There's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? If you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things that you used to do. Paul emphatically wants us to know that if you'll think differently, if you'll let your mind be controlled by the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, that spirit that's actually alive in you, you'll be different. But it takes time to think differently. you got to slow down. Let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself this question? And I, I think we all have. I think intuitively we've all asked ourselves this question, or maybe even in the midst of a disaster in your life, you spoke this question audibly. You said this. You said, what was I thinking? What was I, what was I thinking? I mean, everyone warned me, do not go out with him. Stay away from him. You don't want to have anything to do with him. Stay away. But you thought in your mind, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. It's fine. Let's do it my way. And you knew you didn't even want to bring him around because then they, people would raise their eyebrows. We told you not to do that. It's not going on down a good road. And, but you thought, no, it's good. And then it led to disaster. And now you find yourself where you are. And now you ask the question, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Or your mom told you, 90 days, same as cash is not the same as cash, right? But you said, no, 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 my wants are a little bit higher than my means. And you said, no, I really want it, I really want it. And so 90 days, same as cash. You said, it's pretty close. And now you're going, as you're still trying to dig out of the hole like that, you're going, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Or you told yourself the lie, no one will find out. 
This is just my secret. She'll never know. It's not that big a deal. This won't impact my family. I can go down this road, and it won't hurt anybody maybe but me. And so I'm just going to continue down this road. And so now, though, you look back and you go, what was I thinking? Why didn't I? What what was going through my mind at that time? What was was I thinking? Let's dig into this text because it is absolutely incredible in the way that we see God's desire, God's mission very clear for us. But we also see right that, and I love this about Scripture, very practically. Okay, what does that mean for me today? How do I apply this? Look with me at verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 12. Let's dig into these verses. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. That very first word is, is really important, that word, therefore. And, and you know if you've been with us for the last 11 chapters, the bulk of this letter that the Apostle Paul has been writing, he's been telling us, okay, this is what it means. This is how you can have a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is and how you can live in relationship with the creator of the universe. For 11 chapters, Paul's been spelling that out for us. It's been thick. It's been very, very, very rich. But when Paul gets to the end of the 11th chapter, it's as though he does something very significant. It's as though he sets his pen down, he throws his hands up to heaven, and he just begins to worship. This is even this little section here at the end of chapter 11. It's referred to even as a, a worship, as a song to God. And so at the end of that, as Paul reflects on all of this this knowledge about how we can have belief and who we are and who God is and how we can have thriving relationship with him, it's like his mind is blown and he says this, verse 33 of chapter 11, he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. Paul was saying, I can't even believe it. He says it doesn't even, no one can get their mind around the ways of God. God is just too great. He's he's just too awesome. I can't even, I can't even grasp it. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And then this is a huge statement. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And that letter could have ended right there but it didn't. The Apostle Paul, it's as though in that worship moment before God, when he reflects on the greatness of God, he then thinks about himself, and he turns a huge corner. He picks up the pen, and he says, but now, and Paul says, therefore, in light of who God is, he says, therefore, I, I urge you. I so strongly, he says, encourage you. When we get to chapter 12, the text turns a corner. The emphasis goes from belief to behavior. It goes from information to application. So far, we've seen that in the the book of Romans, in chapters 1 through 11, we've seen very few statements that are imperatives, like, do this, don't do that. We've seen very few of them. As a matter of fact, there are more of them in chapter 12 alone than in the previous 11 chapters. What Paul is wanting Christians to know is this. If you believe this stuff, like if you believe the amazing truths of chapters 1 through 11, he's saying, then this is what it means for you. This is what it means for me. In light of the amazingness of who God is, Paul says, I urge you. And then he says this, to offer your bodies 
as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Notice that he says there, offer your bodies. And in Paul's culture, animal sacrifices were very common. Wouldn't have been, this wouldn't have been a foreign concept to them at all. The throat of an animal would be, spill, would be slit, it, the blood would, would spill, and they would have a sacrifice. Paul saying, no more of that. Paul's saying, we're going to talk about something completely, something completely different here. Offer your bodies, not, not just a part of you. He's saying, not just, don't give me just an hour on, on Sunday morning. Paul's saying, don't offer just your thoughts. Paul's saying, offer all of you, all of your actions as a living, not a dead, but as a living sacrifice. Not just a part, but all of you. It's a tall order. All of your activities, all of your motivations. Paul's saying, as a living sacrifice, not a dead one, but one that is alive to God. Paul's saying, one that is daily, living, breathing, that kind of sacrifice. It's the picture of you and I standing before God and kind of you imagine yourself walking up to an altar with all of your actions, with all of your thoughts, and just saying, okay, Lord, I, I sacrifice them. I, as a living, breathing dedication to you, allegiance to you, every day I'm laying down me before you. That's big. That's lofty. And this is why God's word in the Bible, I think, is so wonderful. Paul now, he breaks it down for us very practically. How do you do that? That seems huge to me. He writes this. Here's how you do this. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Very simply, this is what it means. Don't simply live the way that everyone else lives. Don't simply do the things that everyone else does. Don't let the pattern of culture dictate the pattern of your life. Don't let the pattern of culture dictate how you think. Don't let it rule you. It brings me great joy when this particular tool gets brought out at our house. It's a cookie cutter. Uh, my wife told me it's expensive and don't lose it, so I'm going to try not to. But here's the deal. When this comes out at our house, I know that sugar cookies are about to be made, and my wife makes the greatest sugar cookies in the entire world in all of history. I I, it's not an exaggeration, it's the truth. She could open a shop and, and we'd be very successful. But here's the thing. When she brings this out, she makes these cookies, it takes a long, long time. I get stingy in my heart. So the kids get excited and they want to frost the cookies and get into it all, you know. And, but here's what happens. Then they want to eat one. And I take no joy in it. I say things like this, you can just have one. You don't need more than that. Sugar's not good for you, you know, all that stuff. And but here's the deal, here's why. It's because I know that later on, I will, when they go to bed, I will get out a glass of milk and I will sit down, not with a plate, but with a Tupperware container, <laughs> right? And I will, I will thoroughly enjoy them. Now here's the deal. This is good at our house. This is great for cookies, but this is not great for your life. It's not great for you to follow some cookie pattern, uh, you know, cookie cutter pattern that culture would create for your life. It's not good for you. Stamp, 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 stamps. Great for cookies. Eyes all the same way. It's just a perfect little order. But it's not good for your life. Ask yourself the question, what is shaping you? What is shaping you? What is dictating your thoughts? Are you just a pattern? Are you really, are you conforming to the pattern of the world and it's just your influence? Are you just like everyone else? Or would you say no? No, you're not. If you do what everyone else does, you'll end up 
like everyone else ends up. Paul says this. He says, don't be like everyone else. Don't be that way. Ask yourself the question, you know, what needs to inform my thinking? Because if you don't ask yourself that question, you're going to ask yourself this question, what was I thinking? You'll get back from that disaster. You'll get back from that relationship. You'll get back from that financial situation, and you'll say, what was I thinking? If you conform. And then Paul, he continues to go on, and so he says this, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, there's some effort involved here. This doesn't just happen. So we ask the question, okay, that's great. Okay, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but how? I mean, how do you do that? Like on a daily basis, I mean, for that actually to take effect, for us to look back in six months and say, that, that scripture, Romans 12, 2, that had an impact on me. The answer is not this. It's not try harder. The answer is this. It's not this. Be more disciplined. Here's how. Paul goes on. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning this, that transformation is a result of a renewed mind. It's not the result of, <clears throat> of trying harder. That sounds like a diet that didn't work, right? We don't need to simply try harder. Paul is saying this, we need to think differently. We need to consider our thoughts and we need, we need to think differently. Paul lived this out. He was a guy that once hated Christians. He was a guy then though that God got a hold of and he began to transform in his mind his thinking. In Philippians chapter 3, he reflects on his life before God. And then he says this, I consider or I, I think those things, compared to knowing Christ, he says, I don't, I don't want anything to do with them. What changed in Paul? God changed his heart. The Spirit of God came alive in him, and his mind was changed. His, his thinking was changed. I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago, and, and he was telling me about the, the, really the joy of the transformation that has taken place in his life. He's been around here maybe six months, and, and he described his life before. He said, it was all about me. And he told me how three, four nights a week he would just be out doing his own thing away from his young family. And he said, he said I don't, here it's important, I don't think that way anymore. He said, God's gotten a hold of me. He said, I, I just don't think the way that I, I used to. Let me ask you a couple of questions. When you think about the relationships in your life, what do you think about? What gets your thoughts when you think about your boss at work? What gets your thoughts when you think about your family? What captures your thoughts when you think about your spouse or that friend or that neighbor? What, what do you think about? And then this is even a much more important question. What is informing your thinking? What are the inputs that you're putting into your mind that are informing the way that you think? This is why you hear this so often around here. We say, read your Bible. And we just, unapologetically, we say it all the time, read your Bible. I'm in a small group with a group of guys, two different ones, and in both of them, these groups of guys are reading through the Bible. And for many of them, it's the very first time that they've ever read cover to cover through the pages of Scripture. And to a person, they will say, it's transforming their lives. And the reason is because God's Word is transforming their minds. Now you might say, well, I, I, I open up God's Word, though, Jeff, and I... I don't understand everything I, I read. Let me fill you in on just a little secret. Don't tell anybody, okay? Neither do I. 
I don't understand it all. But you know what? God's word for us, it comes alive in us, and the Spirit of God helps us understand. And it leads us into a place where our minds are transformed and then our, our lives are transformed. A friend of mine was at a conference not too long ago, and a speaker said, just, he posed the question, he said, anybody here want to live a blessed life? And, you know, everybody raised their hands and said, well, sure, who wouldn't want to live a blessed life? And, and the guy said, Psalm chapter 1, to their surprise, he said, it describes a person who lives a blessed life. And one of the verses in that psalm, it says this, that this person, they delight in the law of the Lord, it says, and on God's word, on his law, they, they think or they meditate day and night. It's the picture of this person that their mind is constantly being transformed by the words of God. It's that sweet meditation. It just means this. It just means that they're thinking about it. They're, they're pondering it. They're continually processing, what should I think about? How should I process this in light of what God's word would tell me? Because this is the truth. Don't miss this. If I don't think differently, I won't do differently. Paul goes on, the rest of verse 2. This is the reward. Here it is. He says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the reward. <laughs> this is a great, a great, great verse. This is amazing. He's giving us this outcome, this reward, that if you take the time to let your mind be renewed, you will in fact know what God wants for you. If you're a Christian, you want to know what God's will is for your life. I do. I surely do. And Paul is saying this, if you'll take the time to renew your mind, then God will let you know, hey, here's, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. It's so interesting to me, at the end of Paul's life, Paul's in prison, and as he's sitting there in prison, he requests a few things. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says, he says, I want you to bring my cloak. He must have been cold. He said, then I, he says, bring me my scrolls and especially the parchments. Here's the thing. Paul wanted in that time, he said, I want God's word. I want God's word to be able to shape the way that I think. And Paul, there's no doubt about it, he was a guy that had been transformed, but he so desperately wanted to continue to be transformed, and he knew, in order for me to do that, my input has got to be strong. It's got to be God's word that would transform my thinking. God's word transforms our thinking. I know in talking to some of you that you go to a job week in and week out that you don't like. If you could change it, you would, but you can't. It's out of your control right now. There aren't other options that you can just, you know, go pursue. But let me ask you this question, because you say this. You say, I struggle with having a good attitude. I struggle with, you know, being content. But what if this verse was just running through your mind? Here it is. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. That's working for the Lord, not for man. Colossians chapter 2. What if that went through your mind? What if your number one audience at that job that you don't like for good reasons, what if it was this? I'm not working for him. I'm going to honor him, but I'm working for God. It would change everything for you. Or what about the person that's married to someone that's just incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult, hard to get along with, and you would say, I'm tired. I don't know if we can continue on. Should I stay committed? And you wrestle through that. What if you did this? What if you pause and you said, God, help me to think about this how you would want me to think about it. God, help me to remember how patient you are with me. And then what if you put a verse like this into your mind and it shaped your thinking, I can do all things, even this marriage, 
through Christ who gives me strength. Or what about the person that does this? We see this a lot. They say, I can't be forgiven. My sins are too, too big. You don't know my story. And if you did, you would say, yeah, you're right. You're just too messy. No, no, no. Here's what God would say to you. Truth. Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our sin from us. It's amazing. Or you wonder, is God really for me? Is he really, is he really for me? I feel alone. Am I, am I really alone? Or is God really there? Hebrews chapter 3. What if this was in, informing your thinking? Never will I leave you, it says. God's saying, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Or what about this? You don't know what to do. And you're, kinda, you're in a situation. Okay, we, option A is good. Option B is good. What should I do? God's word says this. Trust in the, heart, the Lord with all of your heart. Proverbs 3. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? You can bank on this. He will make your path straight. He, he will lead you where he wants you to go. What about the person that lives with crippling fear? Comes in and just says, man, I just, I'm just afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. 2 Timothy chapter 1. For God did not give us a, a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love. You can ask yourself the, this question. Here it is. As you face decisions... You might jot this down. Who am I in light of who God is? Who am I and what does God's word say I should do? How should I think about this? In light of who I am and in light of God's word, how should I think? Because transformed living requires transformed thinking. I love the fact that Romans 1 and 2, it's very simple. Transformed living, where does it come from? It comes from God, the Spirit of God, renewing our minds. And so let's pray now, and let's just ask the Lord. Let's say, Lord, would you renew our minds? Heavenly Father, um, I would pray this morning for us that we would be the kind of people that we would slow down long enough, and we would say, Lord, would you renew our minds? I pray, Lord, that we would put in our lives your word. I pray, God, we wouldn't be conforming to the pattern of this world and saying, whoa, Oh, how did I get here? Why did I do this? But I pray, Lord, that we would be informed by your word. And so, God, would you lay that on our hearts this week? Lord, we thank you for the message of who you are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.